In this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Joe from Pull the Lever DM. We spoke about our introduction into Dungeons and Dragons. We spoke about our DM styles, our streams, but most importantly, we spoke about how both of us are purveyors and connoisseurs of miniatures. If these topics interest you, be sure to listen to the entire episode. And when you're done listening, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. This podcast is about helping folks within the Dungeons and Dragons community become better gamers and to really just provide some value in the TTRPG space. Also, be sure to click the links in the description for more details on our podcast, on the content that we create, and those that we have as guests. Now, before this episode, I want to make sure and let y'all know that we do have a couple of sponsors, so stay tuned for that. But afterwards, please be sure to stick around and listen to the podcast. Again, thank you so much for your support, and let's get started. Hey, folks, Brian here. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Joe who is an RPG producer at WizKids. Um, you may see Joe's products uh, at your game store, on Amazon, wherever you purchase, because Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you design and develop some of the miniatures that are in stores right now. Mostly true, yes. Most, well, <laughs> in, in my mind, I'm now going to picture you. Every time I buy minis at the game store, I'm going to picture your face. And I'm just, that's, just gonna yeah. be like a little cloud right here. That's fine. I'm good with that. I've been <laughs> trying to get my face on the box, but you know, I just can't get those approvals, man. Have them. Um, I would actually have them roll. Um, hmm. What role would it be at a deception? Well, no, maybe you could just, you know, charm person. <laughs> I think so. Just go you from know? there. But no, Joe, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Yeah. Um, Hey, thanks for, you know, taking the time out of your schedule. I really want to ask you first and foremost, how did you get from, you know, how did you, when did you start playing D and D and tabletop games and mm -hmm. how did that journey look like from starting to play and then now becoming uh, this designer and RPG producer? So I love to brag that my parents met each other playing D and D when they were in college. That's awesome. So, I mean, growing up, that was our family time. You know, no we kidding. Would, we would finish dinner, clear the dinner table. My dad was a dungeon master. And then my older brother, myself, my younger sister, my mom were the players. And we would wow. play D&D growing up. And it got to a point where just playing with my family like once a week wasn't enough, like in, uh -huh. in high school. And so I started, you know, recruiting friends and getting into my own campaigns and running sessions and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that carried through through college. I, I maintained and kept playing. Um, I got a degree in architecture, worked in the field for a little bit ended up as a, as a project manager at a construction company building banks. And mm -hmm. like once a month, I would just have like a mental breakdown and being like, why am I building banks? Like I, yeah. this is not what I love to do. I want to be in the D and D industry doing something creative. I had been pro DMing for a while. And like, that was giving me a, you know, a, a creative fix, but like not what I wanted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I talked to my buddy, Justice Armin. I don't know if you if you know him. I'm sure maybe he's been on the show or not. But if you no, don't I know him, you should reach out to him and get him on the show because he's an awesome person to talk to. And he just got a job at Wizards of the Coast. I would definitely um, love, uh, love to connect with him. 
Absolutely. So he got a job at Beetle and Grimm um, oh, like cool. a year or two ago. And I asked him like, hey, man, like, how do I get a job in the industry? You know, and he gave me just the most solid advice ever. He said, you know, these jobs really don't come on the market. They're sort of like headhunted. You have to put together something yourself, put it out there, have it get you know recognized, have it get noticed. And then those people who have the jobs will come to you and offer you the job. And that's kind of exactly what happened with me. I, I got into pro DMing. I started producing a live and actual play D and D show. Um, and whiz kids reached out to me with, with the job opening and the offer. Wow. That's an incredible journey. Cause it seems like at that point it was, it was, um, something where, again, you did this with your family growing up. It was almost like your family bonding time. It almost oh, absolutely. Like- 100%. You know, I met my parents, they try to get me into sports. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, 10 years old playing soccer, I would sit down in the field in the middle of the game, reach into my long socks and pull out action figures and just start playing with them. Cause I just did not care about running and kicking a ball, I hear that. <laughs> so, you know? So like my parents really like threw every extracurricular in front of me. Um, yeah. And, you know, D and D is just what I fell in love with. So they didn't force me, but it's where I landed. Well, and and what I'm hearing right now, too, is that like, you know, your parents wanted you to, it almost seems like they wanted you to have a taste for those other things and not to necessarily close you off completely, but kind of leave the door open. But, you know, in this case, you chose D&D, which in my opinion, I think it's a good choice as well. Um, (laughs) But you talked about having a live, um, you were having a, a, like a, a live streamed uh, campaign. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Was it homebrewed or was it a, just a, you know, what was it? For sure. So it's uh, the show's called second star to the right. Okay. It is based in Andrew Kolb's um, third party Neverland campaign setting, you know, okay. like Peter Pan, Captain yeah. Hook, all that goodness. Um, and I have through the years have been pretty loyal and only buying like official Wizards of the Coast published content. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw this book, this Neverland book by Andrew Kolb, fell in love with it, ordered it, opened it, and has the most beautiful art, some of the best third party like campaign content, story oh, nice. arcs. And I immediately picked up my phone. I texted Andrew Strother. Uh, if you're, if you know who he is, he's another great guy. Um, and I was like, dude, we have to turn this into a show. And that's what we did. We put together a cast. We got sponsors oh, wow. um, so that we could pay our production team and our cast. Uh, and we're about a year and a few months into the show, and we'll be ending ending the show at the end of July next month. So like a like series finale or yeah, series finale. Yeah. The one campaign that whole stretch. Um, And yeah, I mean, that, that was one of the things actually that got me noticed by the, the higher ups at WizKids. They saw the show, they saw me on it. Um, They actually found me on some other podcasts that I've been on. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And like heard my story and, and yeah, that's how it all sort of came together for me. Well, let me talk about that stream really quick, though. How yeah, yeah. are you feeling that it's ending, that it's coming to or towards its end? How are you feeling it's, right now? It's really bittersweet because yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I love this Neverland setting. It's so rich. We have such an awesome cast who like 
bring their A game every single episode. Our production is clean. We have amazing art and intro music, and it's such a fun show. But it's just it's so much work. <laughs> oh, I bet. I I def I I can only imagine. Are yeah, you like managing people is difficult with you know conflicting schedules and you know keeping um you know like sponsors together, uh, keeping the production alive and trying to promote and like do all these things. Uh, it, it's a lot of work, but the payoff is is so rewarding. And so like I'm relieved that like okay that like is is done and we did it and it was awesome. But I'm also like, but it's also really fun. <laughs> oh, I, oh man, I can only imagine. I thought I'm actually thinking about doing a live stream myself of my homebrew campaign. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, and for the full, and you know, not to go on a tangent, but what's one thing that you like now that you're approaching your series finale and something I've thought about as well is what's the first, what's the one thing or the first thing that comes to mind when you hear someone starting, you know, saying that they want to start a live stream, what's one piece of advice that kind of comes up in your mind that you would tell them? Plan as much as you can on the front end before mm-hmm. you actually launch the show. Okay. Um, Andrew and I probably spent six, seven months getting wow. all of our production covered, um, you know, locking in the cast, having them sign contracts, getting sponsors locked down and committed, getting all of our acts, our assets, like overlays, you know, uh, intro music, videos, mm. bios. Uh, we put together a trailer that like I got to voice over. That was super fun. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, our, our schedule, our timeline, expectations, as much work as you can do on the front end saves mm-hmm. you so much effort and time on the back end. Because if you have all that stuff figured out, by the yeah. time you start the show, you won't have time to figure out the other That's stuff true. that might pop up, you know? That's true. So, so yeah, that, that was a big one for me. And, and I think too, you know, the Neverland setting was nice because it's sort of something I think most people can relate to for whether sure. you're like a D and D person. Cool. Neverland D and D campaign. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Or if you're like, you know, a, a a fan of Peter Pan or Disney's Neverland or the books or the Broadway or whatever. That's something that will like grab your attention too. So I think having something that people can relate to uh, will help keep people's attention. You know, that's, I can see that. And you mentioned the prep that goes behind it. How many hours were you spending on just prepping for this campaign? Yeah. I mean, for the actual content, I sort of like laid it all out in front of me. The whole concept is, you know, a star falls on Neverland and it breaks into five fragments and the group has to recover all five fragments before, you know, evil doers, you know, can do, you know, and so it's fun because I know I wanted them to go to these cool areas, you know, Mm -hmm. explore these, these characters, you know, it's very like, uh, uh, like, what's the word uh, mature content too. like, you know, the, the Wendy and John and, and Michael, the you know, darling children from the story are still on the Island, but they're like grown up, you know, and like without any spoilers, you know, they're not all good. And some of them are doing some like pretty crazy, interesting things on the Island. So I knew the, the key narrative points that I wanted to get across that I think were, were strong storytelling moments mm-hmm. and then just tried to lay out the sessions to, okay, by this time we should hopefully get to hear, by this time we should get to hear. 
Um, but also communicating with the players too and understanding what they mm-hmm. wanted out of the story. So I, I would say per episode DM prep, probably like two to three hours, which, you know, is a, probably a little much just for like a normal campaign, but mm. for something that people are watching and, and there's going to be an audit target audience for, I want to make sure I, I hit those notes. Absolutely. And that makes sense, right? Yeah. That makes sense that you'd be prepping that much and devoting that time to not only the session campaign prep, but also prepping for the engagements that maybe your players are having with one another and almost taking a step back to say, okay, how am I going to manage this? How am I going to incorporate, you know, X, Y, Z thing? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. And that's interesting. I, I really, I love hearing about DMs in their prep time, but also kind of their homebrew process. Did you homebrew for any of this campaign? Did you add any type of homebrew elements to it or did you just follow the campaign strictly? Oh yeah. So the, the campaign itself is actually pretty open-ended. It's like, here's everything up to you to decide what sort of narrative you're going to implement into it. Um, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, I actually had the group start in, you know, London, you know, early. Oh, cool. What? 1920s, thirties is when like the, that narrative takes place. Um, world war one, I believe is like the era. Um, and they, you know, got, you know, the Red Wizards of Thay were in London and they were trying to find the portal to Neverland because they wanted the star for themselves because it's this huge source of arcane power. So they all like the Red Wizards and the players all got thrown into Neverland at the same time. And so I added, you know, elements that were familiar to D&D, but also let like the Neverland stuff pop up. Like Captain Hook is a is a prevalent villain, you know, as he should be. Um, so yeah, a, a mix of sort of, both using existing content from the the book and adding in my own stuff, which I I always think is a strong way to build any campaign. Yeah. I've used, um, funny enough, uh, I've used the Peter Pan, uh, I guess the legends you can say in my own campaign, um, but in a very twisted way. Um, So Mm -hmm. in, in my world, Peter Pan is actually, so Peter Pan works for the BBG. Nice. And in order, so in my world, Tieflings and Ace and the Asimar um, were created and engineered by two different sides of the of a of the war mm, that occurred. Okay. So Peter Pan was basically hired um, by different sides of the war, kind of like Cad Bane in sure. Star Wars, you know, kind of like that bounty hunter, but in this case, like would lure uh, children on either side of the war. And Captain Hook in my you know legends and lore was actually like a mercenary who found out about this and basically said, you can keep your gold. I'm going to hunt this person because this is completely wrong. So that's nice. kind of how. Yeah, yeah so that's great. Oh, that's I, awesome. I loved it. I, I you know, <laughs> my players, if they're hearing this, you know, um, they know that I like to throw in those type of tropes and kind of take a different perspective on it. I love it. Um, but with that being said, I, I really want to get, I, I know we went on tangent, but I want to get back to, um, so what your current day job is. Could you explain a little yeah. bit about what you're doing? Absolutely. So I am mainly in charge of the production for uh, Wizards of the Coast pre-painted miniatures. Nice. Um, so I work very closely with Wizards of the Coast and essentially, you know, they go, hey, these are the 
the source books, the campaign books that are going to be released for the next two, three years. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll check them out. I'll review the content. I'll review the art. I'll put together like a, a set list, a proposed list of NPCs and monsters that I want to release pertaining to that set. We'll review it. We'll talk about it. They'll approve it. And then I'll pull together art assets, you know, for each figure, essentially being like, okay, if I'm going to make, an, if there's going to be an orc in this set, I'll be like, you know, this is how the orc should look. This is the pose the orc should be standing in. This is the equipment, the colors of the armor. You know, this is the facial expression I want. This is the height and width and, and all this kind of stuff for each and every miniature. Um, and I compile all that information. I then take it to our sculpting team uh, and have them start sculpting. Um, then I sort of monitor the process as they're sculpting, like, oh, hey, you know, let's move this arm in this direction, or this axe doesn't look good in one hand, let's pose it in two. Uh, make sure you're staying, you know, to the color scheme that I provided, like that sort of stuff. Once they're all complete with sculpted, I take them back to Wizards of the Coast, say, these are them. They go, they look great, or you need to change some things, uh, make any edits, get those final approvals. And then we send it off to the factory, get working on packaging and box art and, you know, units and costs and all that kind of stuff. So I, awesome. I, I pretty much manage the process from concept to um, really when it gets to the factory, when it gets to the factory, there's, there's project managers in our team that sort of handle the factory production but i'm still sort of chiming in and making approvals so from from concept to at your local game store i'm in charge of making that happen gotcha so you're really in charge of the end-to-end process of when a mini is conceptualized to when it's in you know at the table exactly that's awesome. And again, we were talking about this earlier. I freaking love the clear bases. That was Dude. such a fantastic move on y'all's end. I really applaud it because, man, it 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 changed the game, to be honest. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. I will say that that was not me who did that. I've actually, next Friday is my one year with WizKids. Um, and that oh, change congrats, happened. Man. I appreciate it. Uh, that change happened before I was there. But when I was, I mean, I've been, I've been collecting WizKids pre-painted miniatures since like Tyranny of Dragons, since like the first set. Oh yeah, nice. I, uh, through college, I managed a comic book store in Chicago. So I was oh, like cool. right, right on the front lines of, you know, when these minis were coming out and stuff. So yeah, those clear bases, I mean, they make all the difference you know when you get your figure down on your your terrain your dungeon tiles your paper mats your cardboard mats like whatever you're using it just adds that extra level of immersion oh yeah you don't see some dumb black circle you know and you don't realize how much it actually adds to your, your storytelling no you don't you don't yeah. and i mean because i i use things like this too so like this is a, a piece yeah. from a 1985 games it's it's you know you can go oh yeah back and forth with it um i like the dungeon craft but i also use warlock tiles and i also have some dwarven forge and then i have some i'm I'm, i have some terrain that's been crafted for me that i use and either way just having the clear plastic base is so nice because it makes all that pop up right the hard work that especially some of these terrain crafters that they put so much work into right um you know, Jay and Ray of, you know, Jay's tabletop, Ray got oh, yeah. DM, like yep, those I'm, guys, I like know they, those guys. Yeah, man. They put so much work into their terrain crafting and it's just incredible to look at and to think about and to say like, wow, like, 
of course you would want clear base so that that terrain pops up. Yeah. Um, so you actually get to see the terrain, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and it's all about immersion, right? It's, all, yeah. it's about having your players. Again, I, I've always said this because I, I like WizKids minis. I like, uh, obviously, like this, the D&D and the Pathfinder stuff. Mm. But, you know, I'm, I'm a mini connoisseur, if that makes sense. Oh, and um, I, I would also consider myself a miniature connoisseur. I have, <laughs> I, I literally have minis at arm's length of me. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I would say I do too. Yeah, <laughs> I, just a little bit, you know. It was funny, you know, you and I loving miniatures so much. I was on the phone with my sister earlier mm-hmm. uh, and we're, we're planning like a, a, my birthday is next week and she's helping me plan a little birthday party and she wants to get, you know, like little bottles of alcohol for it. And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I have to go to the store and, and get those minis. And I'm like, wait, what miniatures do you need? Like, I, like you know, what the, I got you covered. She was like, no, not D&D miniatures, like miniature bottles. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, when, that, when, that, when everyone and anyone says mini, that's exactly where my head goes is miniatures. Listen, I'm in the same boat, man. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I can't. Um, it's funny. My wife was uh, for Father's Day. She was like, oh, what do you want? And I was like, I want that Tiamat. But nice. you know, I don't know where to place it because my seven month old is crawling and starting to like move around. And oh, you got to put it up high. I got to, man. She's the, the queen of dragons is not strong enough to withstand your, your child. I'm sure. No, she, she, the queen of dragons is no match for the queen of uh, this house. Nice. <laughs> well, I think, it, I mean, if you do end up going in on it, I'm pretty sure miniature market has the best price on them. Oh, really? So, yeah. Keep that in mind. Miniature market's pretty good with a lot of their prices on minis, man. They probably buy the most stuff. Yeah, they they have yeah, they have a lot have, of quantity. And I I mean I have to shout out my local game stores, man. Like, you know, Peter Oh, uh, absolutely. PB uh, so Parker Banner Kent Wayne is one of my local game stores, the Mighty Meeple, love them. Um I mean, they have always a great selection, but man, it's just hard when it's hard to be miniature market at times because there are stuff there that you can get there. I mean, they have things like I think the OG Orcus Dude, so old. I mean, yeah, as a miniature connoisseur trying to like get those mm-hmm. old ones, you know, the ones that you always had your eye on. I mean, man, I remember in high school, me and my buddy Kyle would go to Barnes and Noble once yeah. a week, hoping, praying that yep. any new 3.5 content dropped, whether it was a book or miniatures or dice, because yep. we didn't, you know, we really didn't have like, there wasn't people posting on the internet about these things no you not know. at all yeah they're like you know game stores weren't like uh, accessible to us at that time you know amazon didn't exist and now i mean when i go to like target and i see the starter set on the shelf there like Dude. that blows my mind first of all i'm like i sort of hate it because i want the local game stores to have this stuff but yeah. also like holy cow that that you know, there are places where there aren't local game stores, right? And people yeah. only have these like mass market stores like Target yep. and Walmart and stuff. And so that's just is is incredible for me, you know, to see that. It's a love-hate. It's a yeah. love-hate for me because yeah. on one end, I really like the fact that you can go to Target, buy the starter set for cheap, mm-hmm. which, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, need the starter set because I have a plethora of books (laughs) um but i you know i think of it like growing up 
money was a barrier of entry into the hobby. Of course. And growing up where I grew up, there was there weren't a lot of comic book shops and game stores. So a Target would be the only place where I could go and purchase something like that or Walmart. Um, I, I tell quite often that my first comic book I bought at a Rite Aid was a little pharmacy. Oh, yeah. I, I know Rite Aids. That's awesome. Do they have this, the spinning rack? Yep. That's killer. Oh, dude, it was it was it was Avengers number 12 with Miss Marvel and the Wrecking Crew. Like, that's, I, that's I mean, incredible. I remember I it my comic book, not to go on a side tangent, but it's this podcast yeah. tends to uh, yeah. that. I, I talk comics with you, whatever you want. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, I remember I tore that comic. Like, I don't know if it was by accident or just being a kid. Yeah. And when I had adult money, I went and like searched, bought the replica and said, put it in a sleeve. And I was, that was my like gift to myself as, a, yeah. as an adult. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Bought that comic book. I mean, don't get me wrong. I kept the dingy one to be like, hey, like when, you know, when my daughter's old enough, she can play with it, read it. Obviously, I don't care because it's right, you know, torn already. But yeah, man, like there isn't that barrier. There was that barrier of entry and having it at a target is fantastic. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who maybe shares the same background I do might look at that and say like, oh, that's Dungeons and Dragons. I've heard about it. But it was kind of expensive. Let me go ahead and just buy it here. Yeah. Um, same thing with Gloomhaven and all these other little oh. games that are coming out, like code names, right? They have code names, they have flux there, yep. great board games in general, but Gloomhaven and D is fantastic. But on the other hand, I wish that the local game store kind of had that because that that's the hub, right? That is where oh yeah, that's the hub and center of knowledge in the sense of lore and nerd dumb like. That's where you go to talk about, hey, which, you know, which commander deck, you know, <laughs> yep, which, yep. which commander deck am I going to be told to buy because of this, this, this or that? Or, right, you know, are they going to help me build a deck or, hey, we're going to Gen Con, like uh, the, the owners of uh, Parker Banner, Kent Wayne are going to Gen Con. And I'm like, oh, man, that'd be really cool to just hang out with them. Well, even though we get to hang out at the game store, it'd be cool to just go with people I know. So you have that balance of course yeah i i absolutely agree with you there and well now now that you said that you can talk yeah they you don't mind talking comic books and whatnot do you still collect comic books or or, are minis have been kind of your focus yeah so i uh i i managed a comic book store in chicago for six years like through college and a little bit after and actually Mm -hmm. the i'm still very close with the owner of that store he comes to my house twice a month to play my homebrew DD campaign nice um he's such a great guy i love that man tom seymour first at comic chicago giving them a shout out um and so he i've switched from individual issues to trade paperbacks and he he brings them to me out of his kind soul uh when my when my pull box kind of piles up and my girlfriend too person she also managed that comic book store it's also where we met and she's she's that's awesome She's a, a comic book connoisseur, like you and I are, are miniature connoisseurs, so she can probably sling the combos better than I can. But between her and I, we've got most, you know, nerd facets covered. Then she needs to be my comic book plug because I have not, I have not collected comic books in so long and I've gotten the itch to start again. But then I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm torn. I'm Dude, cool. I can, I can, I can set you up on some discords with some fun comic people. Yo, that would be legit. Yeah. 
that would be I'll, I'll, I'll connect you i'll connect you i appreciate that man. Like, <laughs> like i said man i've just been and especially with my daughter it's like i want to get her i i definitely so i i may or may not have bought the 80th anniversary whatever uh the whiz kids uh wonder woman like the hero clicks dude yes those hero clicks have been improving vastly as well oh, yeah. i've got boxes of those somewhere Oh, I love Hero Clicks as a game yeah. and as a way. I mean, okay. So this, you know, this episode's going to kind of transform into a little bit of a what I would recommend if you are trying to collect minis and if you're trying to get that and and you know build it up while maybe maybe you have a lower budget, right? Maybe you don't have or don't feel comfortable doing that just yet. Hero Clicks is a great option. Oh, big time. You know they can come. They come in a variety of different, obviously superheroes, which either you can keep them the way they are, so that way you can play um, Hero Clicks. Because I actually have played the Hero Clicks game, and I think it's really fun. Like it's really easy to learn. And- oh yeah, and like building your own superhero team. Like I mean, yeah. how many times have you already done that in your own, yep. you know, brain capacity, and then now you can like translate that to an actual game like super cool this is what i think hero clicks is you and i are at the comic book shop and you say hey man who would win captain america or wolverine no well i don't know like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that's what hero clicks is hero it clicks is, is yeah. basically the embodiment someone said hey let's actually do that let's say who would win the avengers or x-men and now you have you can have that answer by quite literally creating those teams through a point by system and then battling it out. Um, that, but that's, again, I like hero clicks. I remember when I was a teenager, when I had my teenager job, <laughs> right. Um, everyone, you know, every, so everyone worked at subway or did, you know, did, a did some sort of like, Oh yeah. Job like that. Right. And part, it was party city for me. Oh, there you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, you see, I can, I can, I want to hear the party city stories because I've got a few good ones because I, I, I live in Chicago and Midwest suburban mothers bring the mm. most attitude into a party city than mm. you would ever believe. I can, uh, we might have to talk about this off, off, off <laughs> offline because uh, I can only think of the, uh, intensity of said conversations god forbid if there isn't an even amount of pink to white balloons even though your order has an odd number of balloons of course you know what are you gonna do that's those those are the problems 15 year old joe was dealt with um try to calm down reassert (laughs) yourself and not (laughs) not not go into a rage exactly though halloween was fun working there because i got to wear a different costume every day Oh, that is legit though. Yeah, just go in the back, pull one, and that's what your uniform. So worked at Subway, man. I was a sandwich artiste. As nice. <laughs> oh, it was great, dude. Because again, you know, my buddies and I, we would, uh, I would work, and we take that money and what you know, the things that we didn't have to pay, whether it was like a cell phone or whatever it was, or gas for our cars. Like we'd go to the comic book shop, or we would because there was a there's a comic book shop here one of the larger ones is called heroes aren't hard to find mm-hmm. legit comic book shop man they have nice. like life-size doc ock fighting life-size spider-man like hanging on the walls uh, that's amazing that's how um, you know it's a good spot 
Oh my gosh. I mean, I've been going to the Heroes Convention pretty much every year since pre-pandemic. Nice. Um, and man, it was so worth it. It was, it was one of those things that when I'm, that's where I met Stan Lee. Oh. And I, my heart. Dude, I was going to say, you'll was, never forget that moment, will you? That, oh, dude, I, I shook his hand. I remember yeah. I asked him a question and I, I, you know, again, 15, 16 year old kid. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Um, I was in my teens or I was like 20, but it was in that time frame. And I said, you know, Mr. Lee, like with all the fame and fortune that you have gained over the past years and all the sacrifices you made, like even without the fame and fortune, removing are that all that would yeah. you have still pursued you know being a comic book writer and an author and he was like absolutely yes and i was like a oh, man <laughs> this man after my own heart yes oh that's so amazing and then at the end man he did he, you know his famous excelsior and everyone <laughs> just lost their just. mind oh that's Dude. wild i and, love it and i it was funny because i went to the restroom i came back and i kind of like bumped into him and i was like you know Mr. Lee, thank you for answering my question. And he was like, that was a good question, son. And <laughs> I was like, man, grab a picture with you. And I think I had like, I think I had one of those like wind up like Kodak, like disposable cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his manager was like, oh, it's like, it's $40 or whatever. And I was like, damn, I had just spent all my cash <laughs> on. And he was like, well, you know, I wish I could, wish I could, but she, he was like the old ball and chain yeah. and i was just like damn dude like you are a g like you well you've the... got you've got the mental photos locked in right that's okay that's okay that's yeah. all you know God I mean, hey one day soul. you'll probably be able to like print memories from the chip and that gets installed in your brain right? i'm ready dude i'm ready yeah i, th- we're, I feel like we're not that far from there well, and you know, it's funny because like as a kid, I never thought about collecting D&D comics, even though D&D comics were a thing. Oh, totally. Totally. Yep. And I just never thought about it. I don't know why. I don't know why the hell I didn't think about it. There's some pretty solid ones, too. Um, I mean, they, 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 they I think they just started re-releasing them as trade paperbacks as well, like those you know big omnibus volumes. You know, there's Forgotten Realms, there's Greyhawk and Dragonlance. So lots of coverage. I got to take a look at that because, you know, again, for those folks out there, I think being a nerd and we've talked about obviously your collection of miniatures, I can see that um, it's hard being a nerd when you have so many different passions and loves within nerddom. How are we supposed to have any money? ever (laughs) all i want to do is buy stuff well that's the thing like okay when you're creating and producing again when you're overseeing this end-to-end process right yeah um i can only imagine the minis that you're like oh man that's gonna be good or like oh man that's gonna be really good like what were those moments that you've had and which specific D D miniature line or pathfinder line were you like oh this is gonna be really good so my first day on the job, mm-hmm. it was, so it was last year, June 10th was my first day at WizKids, which was also my 30th birthday. So it was a pretty hype day for me. Oh, heck like yeah. Starting a dream job on my 30th birthday. And, uh, and I can actually talk about this now because it's, you know, been released and everything. Um, and I was in a meeting uh, mm. with Wizards of the Coast. And we were reviewing the uh, ancient gold dragon or the adult gold Ooh. dragon that came out, I think was earlier this year or yep. last year, whatever. Um, 
and we were, you know, showing it to them, we were reviewing it. And, you know, I was just in the background being silent. And my boss was like, okay, you know, we've got the gold dragon. Here's the final, uh, uh, you know, product, the final sample. Now we have this option for a swappable head that breathes fire and then just the regular head for the normal dragon. And he's like, should we do that? Should we not do that? And I'm like on mute being like, uh, yeah, of course we should give it the swappable fire head. Like, that's what we need to do, of course. Oh my um, gosh. And of course we did. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, trying to find new ways to make the miniatures even better. Uh, and like, I think a new feature are these, you know, swappable parts with, you know, different riders. Sure. Um, you know, the Neruzagon has the ability to like be removed from the nightmare and then stand on his own two legs. Then you can put the back, you know, back onto the horse. Oh, and nice. You've got like two figures or the mounted figure. We did it again with the frost giant riding the mammoth. Um, and like that sort of thing is sort of like ramping up as well. Um, and some upcoming sets is going to be like even cooler features like that. Um, That's awesome. You know, WizKids has been making D&D minis since fifth edition came out. And yep. there's not a lot in the monsters catalog that hasn't been made yet. Right. And For so sure. now that we're sort of like circling back and redoing some figures we've done in the past, I'm like, well, it's not good enough to just redo the figure and give it a new pose and a clear base, mm-hmm. but there's, there's gotta be something else to like step it up. Right. Yeah. Something that you could opt, you know, that you can determine and make and distinguish, right? Really, I think I would say, what can you do to make this unique for like, you know, versus what you said of giving it a new post, slapping a clear base, which again, I'm cool with that too. 100%. No, I mean, that's most of the treatment for these things, but I find moments like, you know, like that, that gold dragon, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, let's give it a swappable head with the fire breath coming out that has a little slot that you could put a miniature in. So like when your player goes, no, I'm out of range of the fire breath attack. You could be like, no, no, it's you swap the head and there's the range of the fire breath. Oh yeah. That's the, you You see that. I like things like that because again, not only is it immersion, but it helps the player understand, oh, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm, exactly, this is what's happening. Because I think at the end of the day, we tend to think of D&D as only a role-play game when D&D is also a tabletop war game, except instead of playing the general or the foot soldier, you are playing the hero of that exactly. story. And I mean, that, that's how the game started too. Exactly. How it got started was with Wargaming. So some of those, you know, mechanics and, and themes are absolutely prevalent. Yeah. yeah and I think I if it could reflect in the miniatures, right? Um, obviously mm-hmm. I, we spoke about Tiamat. Like I, I, I really want to just hold Tiamat um, I don't know if I'll be able to. I mean, are you far from Chicago? You can come. I'm looking at her right now. She's on top of my mini fridge in my my game room. <laughs> I mean, I could both. I can drive there, and it will be yeah, like a 12 hour drive. But I'm down. Hey, we'll play some games. You can cuddle dude. with Tamat, and everything's good. Oh, that's fine. My it's wife great. will be like, "What happened?" And I'll just be like, don't <laughs> "Where <worry."> are you?" <laughs> exactly. I'll be like, "It's important business. I gotta go." <laughs> exactly and well and then spend a weekend playing games the the tarask is coming out later this I year no well. i saw that man and that's even bigger than tamat <sighs> i think i think that figure weighs like nine pounds something like that Ooh. yeah it's heavy 
Dude, that's it's it's big. Tiamat, I mean the Tarask weighed as much as my daughter. Right? Like she's like seven <laughs> and she was well, I don't remember how old she was when she was nine pounds, but yeah, maybe like two months or so. Like, damn. Right? Like the Tarask is essentially a newborn child. Basically, it's a baby. Yeah. It I mean, it might as well be your baby. That's it's a Tarask for Pete's sake. I'm saying now, and that's, and I love that though, because so many, and, and again, not knocking any third party. I love of third, course, of third course. party content creators uh, making awesome, you know, D and D. I mean, hell I'm a third party uh, content creator when it comes to like uh, game rules and all that other stuff. Um, but man, like, and, and rather modules and stuff like that, but goodness gracious, like some of the terrace stuff that I've seen lately, I'm like, it's underwhelming. Like it's it just, not big enough. No, it does. It gives there it, was it gives that, that there was a Kickstarter a few years ago, I think at like someplace out of Ireland that was doing a Tarask and like every stretch goal they reached, they mm-hmm. increased the size of the figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and I was super excited. I funded it, uh, but it never actually made it towards a full backing. So Damn. it just like didn't happen. And so I knew that I was like, we, we need to do a, a proper Tarask miniature. Um, and like, you know, but it's also difficult, right? Because it's, it's a big yeah. and expensive miniature and that's not like fully accessible to everyone. Um, no. and, and you were sort of like mentioning before of if you're new to the game and you like want to start collecting minis, but it's sort of intimidating and expensive, you know, there's, there's so many options out there, like not just, not just whiz kids. And there's so much room, frankly, in the market for it too, for like third sure. party miniatures. If you want to 3d print at home um, and, and even whiz kids too, we've started to do 2d miniatures. I don't know if yeah. you've seen those. The skinny minis. Um, we, uh, the skinny minis are different. That's a different company. No, I know uh, it's a different company. I just, yeah. it's the, it's the, they're really, they're actually really cool because what I like about them is like, I mean, let me just, it's like a, card right here oh yeah yeah I've, you know. I've got one actually so yeah we started making 2d figures as well and they're like they're pretty solid and for like 15 bucks oh, nice. you get like like 30 figures and the way we make them is we take Dude, i wish i had the, it in college i'm saying right like we take i we take the the 3d Damn. miniature of this monster which is right here and like the 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 actual file, right? The STL that has the the 3D miniature of this. And we just convert it into a 2D high res render. So you're, Um, you're pretty much getting like the 3D mini at a a super high quality, just in a 2D form. And obviously like, right. The 3D one looks better and stuff, but. Well, the 3D, I mean, we also have to, not to sound philosophical, but like the 3D miniature is always going to be better because we conceptualize things in a 3D space um but it's a great way to get a bunch of miniatures for for cheap and still have it look good on the board you know i mean i also think like again like i mentioned in college i lived in a dorm yeah like it you can honestly for 50 you know for 30 40 bucks you can buy a crap ton of those miniatures and still and and have you could put it in a deck box like oh yeah yeah they they come off the bases they go back onto the bases yeah, they're Thank super you. durable, you know, so you're you're good to go. I mean, and you said $15 for 30 minis? Like, yeah, maybe even more. Like, I basically, I pick a theme and just be like, how many things can we fit on the, you know, the I sheets mean, of acrylic? 
personally, I like this is what I would do for anyone listening out there yeah. who might have a low budget. Get yourself because I mean it's it's pretty easy. Go to a cigar shop. You mm-hmm. can get you can buy a box of like you can buy an old box of cigars, like you know, a two dollar, like what they're gonna throw away, or they might just give it to you. Yeah, they'll probably give it to you. Most likely. I mean, the most I've ever paid for that is like two bucks and and literally it was because it was like really nice, like yeah. ingrained and everything. Um, and as a cigar smoker myself, like I was like, yeah, it, it, it's worth it. I feel that I almost dropped, like I was in Italy a few weeks ago, went to a leather shop and they had this beautiful leather cigar case with, it It even had like a cutter holder in it too. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, wow, I want this very Just for the craftsmanship of it. (laughs) And for the cigar storage. Oh, absolutely. Um, I didn't know you were a a purveyor of fine cigars as well. Oh, we have a lot of things in common. It sounds like. We're going to (laughs) have... We're going to have to have another episode where we're smoking cigars and talking more about this. Oh, done deal. Because I was like, wait a minute. I'll go That's grab the, one. It's the VIP cast, right? Like That's right. <laughs> this will be for the, that episode will be for the Patreon, for the patrons. Yes. On Patreon only. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm okay with that. But no, um, yeah, no, I, I just feel like what you could do is you get a cigar box, you buy some of those minis, you put them in your cigar box, you put them on the shelf and you're good to go. Yeah. You pop them when you can and, and or whenever you're going to play. And I think it's also really good for like professional DMs going to like gaming conventions. Oh, yeah. I mean, or if you're going to the pub. I, I uh, when I was first got into like pro DMing, I was doing a lot of traveling across the Chicagoland doing like private mm-hmm groups doing events uh, i actually was doing like a lot of corporate games too where i was running nice. D games as team building exercises for yeah. you know like new hires and sales team and stuff and like yeah i mean i was bringing just totes of terrain and minis and stuff and oh i bet yeah having some some easier transportable stuff would have been great um i think my favorite creative miniature like post i saw on reddit was some dm who just got you know like a bag of skittles or M&Ms and would use those as the monsters. Oh yeah. And then if your player killed the monster, they got to eat the candy. That's, I, that, <laughs> I feel like that's a bit of Pavlov's theory, right? Like now hey. you're encouraging players to just fight monsters. I like it though. <laughs> yeah. I respect it. Absolutely. I respect it, but no. Okay. So take me, take, I know, you know, again, want to make sure that we're cognizant of time. Take me through a bit of a day in the life of what you do. So from, you know, what does it look like when you start work and when you end work? Yeah. So the, the whole process that we talked about before from like miniature concept to, you know, on your shelf, the game store mm-hmm. usually takes like seven to eight months, probably okay. closer to a year now with logistic issues, you know, in the world. Sure. Um, and I mean, frankly, a lot of my day is in Excel, uh, yeah. managing, you know, set lists and information. Um checking you know like i wake up every morning i i i log in i go into our our sculpting boards i'll be like okay these are all my active projects that are in sculpt i'll look at all the progress i'll make any notes i think are needed um and then just start you know working on my task list really like with any other job you know making the, the biggest thing is making sure things are moving so that we stay as close to our production schedule as possible um you know we've got there are key dates with the factory that you have to hit in order for production for sure. to like keep going mm-hmm. to start and keep going so if we like lose those dates it starts to become problematic 
Um, so yeah, it's really just managing that process. Um, being like, okay, today is a day where I need to push this project or today mm -hmm. is the day where I need to build a reference pack for this project. And, you know, it's the, the nice part about managing Wizards of the Coast product is that all the art exists for all the things that I'm creating miniatures of. So yeah. it saves me a lot of time. Like I don't have to like from scratch create art. You know, nice. I just literally go on to D and D beyond type in beholder and there's my reference art that I'm giving to the sculptor. And cool. you know, I might like change colors and eye stocks, like stuff like that. But like the core of it is all there, which is super nice. Well, and that's pretty cool too, that you have a plethora, so to speak, of artwork that you can pull from for inspiration or things that you can do um yeah. to kind of gather almost like doing intelligence right like doing a, a bit of a survey and scouting and saying okay like i really like how this image portrayed this beholder but i'm going to change yep. this thing so i really I, I like that um but actually one thing i do want to ask yeah what is your favorite set that has come out so far from like a pre-painted what's something you're really proud of oh man so the Fizbin set is badass. Really? Uh, okay. the, the introduction of the super boosters, which is like it's... What are so, the super boosters? So they're like the um, HeroClick super boosters. So Oh, you know, nice. Yeah, so Fizbin's right is is primarily dragons, right? Because yep. that's the yep. source book. And the huge rares in that collated set are mm. so big. You know, it, it's like the dragon bone golem, yep. the horde mimic, the young sea serpent, sapphire, topaz dragon. Um, and I think there are two others that I'm missing, but they're so big, they didn't fit into our normal booster boxes. Makes so we sense. had to create a new box called super boosters. And so nice. in each super booster, there's one of those seven huge rare oh, figures. Cool. You don't know which one you're getting, but there's one of them. That's um, awesome. And yeah, like, you know, just in the, the last year or two, we have made some serious unlocks with our factories oh, to just ramp up the quality of the figures. And I mean, That's they're awesome. still plastic and sometimes the, the paint jobs are are, are, are are a little botchy, but all of our miniatures are painted by hand at the factory. No yeah. machines paint our miniatures it's oh, all wow. done by hand yeah wow. so so that's why you know sometimes they're a little wonky but well, i'm also very like, I, I mean, yeah i don't paint yeah so. ne neither do i so i'm like i don't care if like the paint's a little bad because it's better than what i could ever do oh dude um, I, I would do googly eyes so yeah so yeah fizzman's is awesome but i'm very excited for the spell jammer set to come out that's uh this year as well just because it's so different i mean all the monsters, all the NPCs, all the source material is fresh. It's new. Yeah. It's not, yep. it's not the forgotten realms. It's not the yep. underdark, you know, it's like, it's just a brand new region environment to explore. And, you know, I, I was sitting on all that. So I've, I, I pretty much know what's coming out like a year ahead of time because we have nice. to, you know, produce the figures. And so I'm just like sitting on the Spelljammer source book a year ago i'm just like this is going to be incredible dude i'm excited uh, for that i'm so excited for dragon lance like yes if you see yes. previous content that i've made and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna gloat a little bit i called it i knew <laughs> i i i saw the writing on the wall and i was i like, think i actually you? i was listening to one of your episodes and, and you you see the episode or a post you made and you mentioned it and behind my phone i was just like yeah well he's right <laughs> see folks 
See, I, I'm not crazy. I told you. <laughs> You're not crazy. I, I told can, you. I can uh, I can back that up for sure. I, I rolled pretty high on my on my insight check. That's right. <laughs> I, I see you, whiz kids. No, um, but no. I you see. I'm excited about that. I think that you know. I, I I've heard a lot of folks that have you know kind of complained about whiz kids and whatnot and all this other stuff. And like for sure. Listen, I I have my opinions on a lot of things. But at the end of the day, it's not going to stop me from buying it. Like, right. I, I mean, now, mind you, I do like the pre the unpainted minis as well. I think those are good. But again, as a purveyor of fine miniatures, I see the positives in both. Right. I see the positives Definitely. in the unpainted because you can't beat that price. I'm sorry. Five something for two minis can't be that's great that's great even if Um, it's just the key with unpainted miniatures if you're if you're not into painting or or, you know you're still working on your skills is just to get it to look good from four feet away right as long as it looks good in the center of the table and you're sitting back you're fine you don't table ready that's table ready exactly 100 no shame in that no no shame in it just being table ready having it go on you know the thing is is that when it's table ready it's going to make the terrain look good and the terrain is going to make the mini look good you know you're not each other yeah you're not going into a competition like if if you want to do a competition that's a whole different level you want to go into you know you're more you're going into not saying that you can't i I mean again i don't know this but i don't think you can like i think you could use a whiz kids mini going into competition but at that point like you that's the paint job like yeah. you have to ensure that the paint job, like, yeah, the model is there, but I've heard some people say that it, the model doesn't matter. It's the paint job that you apply to the model. It could be a freaking, you know, 50 cent model that you use like a plastic, to- you know, green soldier. Yep. If you can't paint that, then, you know, that's what I've heard from, from some people that, that compete mind you. So again, the bias is very like this yeah. guy I was talking to, he's a Warhammer guy. Like he, Oh Yeah he paints Warhammer and he was like, and he, he told, he told me at the game store, he's like, man, if you can't paint a green army, man, then you can't, you know, do this, 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 and that. And I was like, okay, but, yeah. but don't whatever. tell me, don't tell me what I can and can't do. I will paint that. Army. I, I will paint one color. I, you know what? Yeah. I might just prime it and not even paint it. Right? Not even paint it. How's that? Yeah. How's, am I having fun? Yes. Yeah get out of here no but no um yeah i i'm just i don't know i love collecting minis and i really just if you're collecting minis for me it's just like that's the that's the thing i want you to do right i want you to buy minis because you enjoy it not because you feel like you have to buy minis yeah Um, i mean i i I, I would say that I've probably played the majority of my D and D career theater of the mind, you know, and yeah. I, I, I love collecting and I love things and, you know, it's, I love building Legos and it's probably the architect in me still, but I just love building. And yeah. so that's just an outlet for me, but it's fine if it's not an outlet and a fun thing for you. You know, I always, I always tell people if, if DMing, if any aspect of it or all of it ever feels like it's, it's a chore right? Or like something you have to do and you're like mm-hmm. not looking forward. Oh, I got my session on Wednesday and I got built on my terrain. Then, then, then don't, you know what I mean? Like yeah, then sure. if it's no longer enjoyable, then don't do it. You know? No, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, one last thing I do want to ask you before we, we wrap yeah, up yeah. this episode is from your perspective, 
um, when it comes to design and miniatures that again, kind of talking a little bit about DMing. For sure. Um, I want to hit on the topic of barriers of entry. What do you recommend if someone is new to D&D or wants to get their friends in D&D, right? I think of the college kid, especially you having mm-hmm. run, you know, run this comic book store. What would you recommend for folks to really like say, hey, I want you to get into minis or I want you to get into D&D, but I don't have money. How would I do that? What, what, how do you bridge that gap? 100%. I mean, I think the, what, the starter kit, the essential kit, and then there's the new starter set coming out uh, this summer are the best ways to start playing D&D in my mind. They're, you know, 15, 20 bucks. You get everything you need to open the box and start playing. And like, not only that, but you get condensed versions of the rules. You get pre-generated characters uh, and, and like a little campaign, not even a campaign, like a few quests to go and do. It's, it's, it's super low key. You don't have to buy three giant books and feel like you have to read through them. All you need is the box set, someone who's willing to run it and a few people to play it. And that's the way I think to start playing because it's okay. enough hold handing and enough resource without being overwhelming to get a grasp of what the game is. So I, I'm a big component of the starter and essential sets. Those box, those box sets are, are amazing. Now for minis, what would you yeah. say would be a really good starting point? Like if you were to say, okay, I, you know, what would you recommend of saying, do you recommend buying a box or this or that, or like going on eBay and looking for pre-painted? What would you recommend when it like, just for someone to get a baseline start with buying and collecting minis? Absolutely. I mean, there's a couple of ways. Like if you're, if you're looking just to get things on the table, I mean, you can go on Amazon and buy a pack of like, you know, army men or, mm-hmm. you know, just like little plastic firemen or whatever, and, and just start messing around to see if you like having, you know, character representation on the board. Oh, that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like five bucks for There's a pack of cheap. army men and you're good to go. You've got things yeah. on the board and you can start visualizing. And then if you're like, yeah, you know what? I wish this army man was an orc. Well, then you have the next step to go into. Um, frankly, I you know I think the like individual booster boxes of WizKids minis are pretty good value for mm-hmm. like $16, $20. You get four miniatures, one of them being large. The rest of them are you know, like medium or small. And mm-hmm. it's not a bad price for four miniatures if you start looking on like the aftermarket, right? For like individual True. minis. Like, I mean, you'll spend 40 bucks just on one figure. And, and if you honest, just like- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you buy a booster box just like once a week or once every two weeks or every time you go to the game store, like you'll eventually just amass yeah. a collection. And that's 100% what I did. That's, just, what I would, that's how I yep, did it. Just a booster box every time I got a paycheck or every time I had extra cash. Dude, yeah. 2016, when I, I w- when I got married, I would buy... And thank God I did, dude. I bought the Tyranny of Dragons because that's what dude, they had. That that was the first one. That dude. that's when I was managing the comic book store. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll it buy was one. 14, 15 bucks. Yep. And I was buying a booster pack or two every two weeks when I got paid. Yeah. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong, like I was my wife and I, we would we high we budgeted that money right because we couldn't rub two pennies together at the time (laughs) like we but she you know she was and and she is such a supportive wife where she was like i know you love this like let's budget it and you know instead of grabbing coffee or something just like do or whatever um 
but man, yeah, that's a good way too. Cause I think you're going to start building a lot of, oh, yeah. um, you, you'll build it pretty quickly. Like, and frankly, there's enough accessible, you know, booster boxes from the different sets where if you, sure. you know, rotate which ones you're buying, then you'll get a variety of creatures. And not only will you get creatures and NPCs, but you know, good PC miniatures as well. So, oh, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're, if you're really wanting to get into like, you know, paint pre-painted miniatures mm -hmm. specifically for tabletop role-playing games those booster boxes are a solid deal oh and do the and you know i always I, i've spoken about it before you do the trick where you grab the booster box you grab it you pinch it right where from the where you would like hang it yeah and you weigh it and you see how much it weighs because obviously the heavier it is probably the bigger the mini or, or probably the, the rarer uh, a fair guess in most cases it has never <laughs> failed me so I'll just there you go that way. i won't condone it i won't speak to it but you know you do you <laughs> it also could be that i have uh, a very i have the luck of the draw when it comes to minis oh hey MTG, i always support that no no <laughs> minis all the time at least you have it somewhere right and, and it's answer. not a, a miss on both fronts Dude, if it was a miss on both fronts, I would be really sad. I would, <laughs> at that point, I would just have someone buy me the, I, I just would have someone to pick it out for me. There you um, go. But Joe, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming on. Oh my gosh. Um, I was going to say, can, I know on Instagram, you're, uh, you have pulled the lever yep. um, and, and I'm going to just direct folks to that so they can follow you and see what awesome. you're doing and kind of just hang out with you and, um, and really just ask you questions or do whatever, you know, obviously yeah. be respectful folks, please be respectful, but you know, to, <laughs> to just follow your journey. And again, I really appreciate it, Joe. Um, oh I'll gosh. put the link in the description, but folks, thank you so much for listening to this. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review and comment down below with what you enjoyed about this podcast, any questions or comments, let me know. Um, but more importantly, be kind and compassionate to one another, folks. Things are crazy and things will probably always be crazy in life. But as long as we're kind and compassionate, we'll make it through together. But again, thank you so much. We love you. And as always, folks, keep gaming.